Okay, what's up everyone? Welcome to Let's Talk Harper Public School. Let's Talk Harper Public Schools is a talk show designed to highlight the schools in Harper, Connecticut. We discuss our beautiful and capable students as well as our staff, families, and partners. Each show we invite a guest on to talk about who they are, what their relationship is to our schools, and successes and challenges that they face. I am your host, Mr. Rich. I have been a resident, student, teacher, principal, and now executive director, and I will be your guide on this conversational journey. With that said, let's get to our guest, Ms. <laughs> Omaris Journey, who is the principal at Parkville Elementary School. Welcome. Hola, mi gente. Hello, everyone. Oh, this is so nice. Come right in, speaking Spanish right <laughs> off the bat. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I just finished um, celebrating all my staff here at Parkville. And with that being said, I almost forgot about you, Tyrone. Oh, no, that's all right. Um, it, it's hard to forget about me, first of all, but that's okay. <laughs> if it's for your staff, if it's for your school, we know you're rounding out the end of the school year. That's okay. So I'm going to kick things off a little bit um, by starting with just where you were born. Tell us you know, where you're from and, and what was school like growing up? So I'm from La Isla del Encanto. I'm from Puerto Rico. I was born in Mayagüez, Puerto Rico. Okay. Yes. And so when you, how'd you get into Hartford? Like what schools did you, did you go to schools in Puerto Rico or did you come to schools so in Connecticut? No, I didn't go to schools in Puerto Rico because when I was two years old, my mom okay. made it over to New York. And so we have that very typical um, travel of going from Puerto Rico to New York and I became a New Yorican and I went to school in New York. And then from New York, my mom said, well, I wanna give my kids a better life and a better education. And we ended up in Hartford, Connecticut. All right, so you gotta give me some age ranges and the schools that you went to in New York compared to the schools that you went to in Hartford. So I went to pre-K and kinder in New York. And then for first grade, I went to McDonough and then I ended up at Parkville. And then from Parkville, I went to Burns. And wow. then from Burns, I went to Cork Middle. And from Cork Middle, I went to Hartford High and I graduated from, from the pub. Okay, from the pub. Shout out to Hartford High. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I am an owl. Know. That's right. We make noise when we get our um, our pub celebrities on, on the right. podcast, also from Harper High. Um, so what was school like growing up in Harper? What kind of student were you? I was a really talkative student. Um, and there were times that I got in trouble for it. Um, but I also was a very hands-on student. Um, I loved science. I loved project-based learning and all the science experiments that I did in middle school, I ended up being a part of the gifted and talented program, mm. which then um, for whatever reason was no longer a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I always ended up like doing these science projects where I, where I brought like chickens home and birds home because I did them as experiments and I hatched them. Um, and I was also a classical magnet student. So I was in classical magnet from Quirk Middle all the way through high school. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we do make that distinction too between classical magnet um, personnel and Harper High students. So you, you, just, you just faked me out. 
No, I didn't pick you. I, I went to Hartford High. But you were in a classical magnet program. At Hartford High, yes. And okay. I took okay. other courses that were not classical courses that were honors and AP courses at Hartford High. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that right now. But sometimes <laughs> us Hartford High people have problems with the classical magnet people because they oh. tend to be a little snobbish. So you're being a hater. I'm sorry, all right. I'm, I'm gonna let that go. <laughs> so, so science was your favorite subject. Yes. It's safe to say. Yes. Who was your favorite teacher in school? So I don't have one favorite teacher. Um, I have teachers that I absolutely love because they became, um, I became really close to them and they became my role models. And it's all of my physical education teachers from middle school through high school. Who are they? So it's- <laughs> Who are they? Yeah, so it's um, Harry Bellucci. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's Miss Turcott. It's Miss Allen Green. Um, Shout out to Miss Gail Allen Green. <laughs> she just stopped by here um, a few days ago to drop off a gift and I missed her. So I got to give her a call because she's, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, um, Miss, Miss Gunn, um, Memo, uh, Juan Dominguez, who was not my physical education teacher, but he is a physical education teacher. He was my swim coach. Nice. Um, yep. Why? Why, why all those teachers? Because they truly showed that they cared about me as a human being and, and as an individual. They took the time to get to know me. They took the time to develop me as an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, I became captain of every single sport that I played in high school. And a lot of it had to do because of what I learned, um, about being a leader. And so they taught me a lot of those skills and I truly respect and appreciate them. Um, to this day, I have great relationships with them. I actually worked with many of them as, yeah. as an adult, um, as colleagues yep. and um, I babysat for their kids. Wow. Um, it, we just have beautiful relationships. So. so you eventually became a phys ed teacher, right? I did. So obviously favorite subject was science but became a phys ed teacher. What is it about physical education and, and some of the things that these people brought out of you to make you wanna you know, um, choose that? as an area of focus? So to be honest with you, growing up, I always wanted to be a veterinarian um, okay. because I absolutely love animals. And I got I got into like my, the school that I wanted to go to for college to become a veterinarian. And then I said, I really thought hard about, is that really what I wanna do? Or do I really wanna make an impact on kids because, and give back to my community because that's what my teachers did for me. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know what, I have a change of heart because I went to, I went to school my freshman year at St. Joe's and I said, I really want to be a PE teacher. Um, I, I really want to give back to Hartford and I really want to make an impact on the kids, on kids' lives the same way that my teachers did for me. And that's what I did. Wow. So it wasn't just that simple, was it? I mean, how'd you... So you went through, um, cause you're, you're a principal in Harper now. So how did you get to that point from school? So 
I, I find myself to be a natural born leader. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> that classical, you see that classical? <laughs> <laughs> my sisters and my brother would say, so I'm the oldest. So they're like, yep, okay. that's her. She's always telling us what to do. <laughs> yeah. um, but I decided to become a principal because Interesting enough, a lot of physical education teachers also have that same path. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know that, Tyrone, but a lot of PE teachers do end up becoming administrators as well. Well, no, I know a couple. I know for one, you know, Gail Allen Green, right? She was she was our um, gym teacher at Harper and High. Betty Gunn. Um, Betty Gunn. Yep, yep, Betty Gunn as well. I yep. love Betty Gunn. Oh my God, she's, she's amazing. so great. Yeah. Um, she was my um, guidance counselor or my school counselor. Oh. At B-STEM before she okay. was, and then um, who else was just a, a phys ed teacher? Melanie Brady was here before as a phys ed teacher at SMSA, and then went to um, she started Annie Fisher STEM school. Okay. Well, yeah, I know that I'm, my yeah. history is good with that, but yeah. so I um, I made and Sally Biggs was also a physical That's education right. teacher, right. and yeah. I worked for Sally Biggs. Yep. Um, and so she gave me a lot of leadership opportunities over at HMTCA. Um, so that you started I at HMTCA? I started at Burr. Okay. Give me your start. Starting as a PE teacher at Burr. I started, I was 23 years old as a okay. PE teacher at Burr for two years. All right. And then? Yes. And then I transferred over to HMTCA and I was there for nine years. And while I was there, I was able to make the decision that, you know, I really want to go the route of becoming an administrator, becoming a principal. Um, because of everything that I saw and just knowing that I can continue to create an impact, but at a higher level mm -hmm. um, and that I can make um, decisions, bigger decisions at a higher level that is going to create a positive impact on the, on the lives of our kids here in Hartford. Um, and so I said, Sally Biggs can do it. I can do it too. Cause she's, uh, cause I'm learning from her. Yep. Um, and so I decided to go back to school and get my master's and my ed leadership certificate. And here I am today. So did you go, no, that's not, that's not the exact path. I'm going to challenge you. Correct. Correct. From HMTCA. You did something, you left us. Did you leave us? Uh, yes, but we don't want to talk about that, Tyrone. <laughs> yeah, I did. I left and that was really hard. Okay. I cried. You cried and you left, but we, I, somehow we got you back. Yes. And I, I went over to another district and over at the other district, I was the dean of students um, at a high school. Okay. And, and I was able to turn that position to an AP position. And when I turned that position into an AP position, I got a principal position offered here. Wow. <laughs> And then I decided to come back home, which yeah. I do, which I do call home. I call home because this is where I grew up. This is, um, this is who I am. Um, this is where I live. I, I, I came back to live in Hartford as well. After I lived in many different places, um, my family lives in Hartford and, um, I actually came to Parkville Community School as well I as a kid. That's what I mean. So tell me what that's like. For, what was that like for your family, right? For your for you to tell your parents that not not only that I, I was offered a job as a principal, but guess where, right? What was that like? It. My mom cried. Um, my mom was just completely blown away. Um, you know, she 
she, in her heart, she knows that like, I'm such a overachiever <laughs> in her mind. Like, I know it. I know that you could do it, but Parkville, right? Because we lived on Orange Street. Okay. And Orange Street is not too far from here, right? And she's just like, remember this? Remember that? Oh my goodness. So we just brought, it brought back old memories. And how do you feel walking through the school as a principal? Do you have like flashbacks of this used to be here and I can't believe I sat in that chair and all that, all that type of thing? Um, a little bit because the building has changed. There's yeah. been pieces to the building that has been added. Um, so yes, yes. All right. Okay, so now we got you as principal of Parkville School. And actually you've been principal now, you're finishing out your third year, right? That's gotta be awesome. But what's really cool about this is that what some people may or may not know is that you're also a new mom. <laughs> How old is your beautiful daughter? And what's it like being a principal? Because this is really hard. I know what it's like having kids and being a principal. It's a lot of stuff. So what's it like? So first and foremost, um, my daughter has been the best blessing that I've ever received on this planet and yep. this earth while I've been alive. Yep. Um, and um, God bless her because she's on a ride with me. <laughs> it's not easy. It's extremely hard to be able to balance both jobs, right? Being, um, being a mom and being a principal. Um, and and I ask God for help every single day. Mm -hmm. And I ask as well, um, my husband, Lawrence, as well as my staff here for support. And so with that being said, it kind of all works itself out. Um, I am a bit of a workaholic, so I have to make sure that um, I don't allow my job to take over my entire world because I do have someone in my life that, um, Catalina is her name. Uh, that is supposed to take over my world. <laughs> How old is she again? So she's going to be one years old on Sunday. Wow. So she's already walking, owning the house. <laughs> she's 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 running because she's been walking since nine months. She's okay. going inside of cabinets. She's yeah. taking out <laughs> pots and pans to play as music. She's doing all of it. <laughs> All right, I would stop. I would stop on the door because I, I really want to go down that lane. You know, I'm a I'm a new grandfather, right? So being you, you know, me and you talk about that. I'm a new yep. grandfather, so I'm all I'm all about Braylon. But I'm gonna stop <laughs> and I'm gonna say, what's the most rewarding part of your role as principal? It's my kids. It's coming into the building every day and seeing the smiles and you know uh, on my kids faces and and when i say that they're my kids i truly mean that um mm -hmm. with all my heart um it's seeing the, the their smiles on their faces coming into the building excited to be here and wanting to learn and have fun while learning um going into the classrooms and seeing the teachers teaching every day and being so excited and enthusiastic about it and doing it all while in a pandemic is yeah. even more exciting for me because it's hard. This is really, really hard work. And so, talk, well, first I wanna, let me, since you said pandemic, I wanted to ask you what's the most challenging part of your job each day? Does it have anything to do with the pandemic or not? It does. It has a lot to do with the pandemic. I know that, you know, Tyrone, that we struggle in regards to, you know, um, 
making sure that our kids come to school every single day mm -hmm. in a pandemic, that's even harder um, for, for that reason, because COVID is here, right? And so we're constantly dealing with, you know, um, who has COVID and, you know, can the student get online today because mom might not be feeling well, mm -hmm. right? And so student engagement and student attendance has been one of the biggest challenges. How do you combat that? How do you so deal with that? We have been able to combat it. <laughs> okay. You know, we were pretty high at, um, at one point in the school year and we brought it down almost by, I think over 20%. We're talking about chronic absenteeism, right? Chronic absenteeism. I hit, I, mean, I hit, I hit at least 50% one day. Yeah. We were at 48 Yeah. and I brought it down. We've brought it down. I can't say me because it takes a village. Absolutely. It literally takes a village in order for our kids to be successful. And we're currently at 32%. Okay. And, and so it takes every single human being in this building and all of our families to make it work and make it happen. And so we've built relationships with our families. We've done home visits. We've called every single day. We've even gone and said, no, come on, bring the kid to school. It's okay. You know, they will be marked present. And we've made calls so that the kids can jump on virtually. Um, but building relationships is truly the key and also helping our families with resources that they need. So. Who, who are a part of those um as far as your team, you know, it takes a village. Who's part of your village in your school that supports you with that stuff? So it's my main office staff, it's my FCSSP, it's my school social workers, it's my nurse, my BT, and my comprehensive intervention specialist. But I can't forget my teachers, right? Like my right. teachers are the ones who do it every day in the classroom and reaching out to the families. But this is my my specific attendance team who works specifically on, on this particular area. Cool. So having a supportive staff is great. Um, most rewarding part of your school are your, are your students. Now you got a lot of stuff going on with, I don't wanna say Panther pride. I know you're, you're the Panthers, right? As far as your mascot goes, what are some of those cool things you do as a school that make Parkville so awesome? So what we talk about is roaring. We have these roar expectations and we make sure that we, we're talking about roar expectations every day, all the time. And what we do is we call those expectations out when we see it on a daily basis. And so our teachers, when, for instance, somebody gives a compliment in the hallway, if the kids are doing a nice job, our teachers are like, you just got a class dojo point because you just got a compliment, right? Yeah. And we also celebrate um, our attendance throughout every month. And the kids got to slime me for the month of May. They just pied, <laughs> they just pied today, Jackie, our assistant principal, the yeah, classroom that won for the for the month of well for the month of May and then I was the month of April. So like we're constantly doing we have Spirit Wednesdays. Like we have tons of things that we celebrate the kids. We have the Panthers Den. At mm -hmm. the end of each month we have um incentives that we give the kids and they get to pick out prizes from the Panthers Den that they've earned because they've gotten X amount of points for the month. 
there's just a lot of celebrating for our kids. Is ROAR an acronym for something? Yes, it is. Okay. You want to tell <laughs> us what, what it stands for? Yes, it is. Okay, so what is what does ROAR stand for? So ROAR stands for being respectful, owning responsibility, always being safe, and ready to be a phenomenal learner. Why phenomenal? I like it. Don't get me wrong. Ready to be a phenomenal learner, but why phenomenal? Because we need to have high expectations for our students and they need to have it for themselves. And phenomenal is great. We don't want to just be good and average. Okay. All right. I, I, I wish everybody could see why, how you looked at me when, you, <laughs> when I asked that question. You looked at me like I was crazy. Um, so no, <laughs> that's great. So good to hear about all the um, great things that are happening for your students and your staff at the school. What are some of the things you do for parents? In your building? So some of the things that we've done for parents and some of the things that like I like to do is make sure that I do coffee with the principal with them once a month. That was hard this year because of right. the pandemic. Right. Um, and what I also do, we do a literacy night, we do a math night, we actually had a virtual paint night for our families. And our art teacher volunteered her time and actually her family joined in on it and it was just beautiful. We had over 54 of our families um, sign up for that and be a part of it. That's pretty cool. I saw somebody just do that the other day for their staff, but um, doing that as a family is pretty cool. Yeah. So we have um, a lot of different things um, that we do. We also have hands on Hartford where we provide additional meals to our families for mm -hmm. every weekend. And we have 60 families signed up for that which is really great. Um, what else, Tyrone, would you like to know? No, I, I mean, that's great. I was just sitting back listening to all of the good things that are happening at your school. <laughs> I do want to talk about this book that we're reading as a district, right? You know, there's been a lot of things going on in our nation over the last past year with um, race relations. Um, we adopted this book, so you want to talk about race as a school system, and every school got to read it with their staff. What has been the impact of that text um, on you personally, professionally, as well as your staff? So on me personally, being a woman of color, it's extremely important for me to have the conversation about race with my staff. Mm -hmm. And I say that because the majority of my staff are white staff. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important to not have it just because they're white, but to have it because it's it's important for, for all of us to learn the importance of race and how race matters in the world that we live in. And so I was really excited to know and hear that the district has made this an initiative because it actually went along with my professional development series that I planned out for the year with LEARN. And so don't ask me what LEARN stands for because <laughs> I can't do that acronym either. <laughs> um, and so LEARN is an organization that um, supported us with having that conversation with our, with our staff as well. So what I did was I combined the, the book with my PD series for the entire year. And it was beautiful to see how much um, how open-minded our staff here at Parkville has become. Mm -hmm. 
okay. how they how involved and engaged they were in the conversation about race, racism, cultural relevance, um, and pedagogy. And so it's really opened up their eyes as to what should be happening in the classroom, how, um, how race matters in regards to who our children are, because the majority of our children here at Parkville Community School are children of our children of color. Um, so I know that there has been a shift in mindset in regards to the conversations that I've heard, in regards to the questions that have been asked, and to see how thoughtful they are in their teaching. That's that's the impact that I guess we should be looking for, right? Yes. And do you think that's going to make an impact on your students? Absolutely. It makes an impact on our kids when our teachers show them that they're truly interested in who they are as individuals and as human beings and to let and that our teachers truly care about the fact that they come from different places, the fact that they look different than them, the fact that they might have these experiences versus these experiences. And that this is what I have to offer you and bring you to the table. And what else can you show me? And what else can I learn from you? Because we don't know it all, right? And so it, it definitely makes an impact on the books that they read, how they learn their math, right? The science that they do, it, it just, it, it impacts everything in teaching and learning. So what would you say and you went to this a little bit in your um, in what you were just describing right there. What do you what do you think our today's student, um, today's student in today's society? Obviously, our our kids have access to a lot more things than we did growing up. Um, what do you think our students need the most? That's a trick question mm. because I think that. there's different things that they need, right? So mm -hmm. to me, um, first and foremost, our kids need to know that they're, they have a support system of people who care and love them. And so that social emotional component to me has to be the foundation. It has mm -hmm. to be the key to be able, for our kids to be able to be stable, and learn and learn in school. And, and that to me is key. And then our kids need more innovation and creativity in regards mm -hmm. to the direction that we're going in with 21st century skills, with um, just how we're gonna be, like what the future is going to look like, right? Um, Everything is on is about engineering, right? Um, I mean, even doctors now are probably I, I, I read something that they're, they should be taking an engineer, uh, engineering, not just course, but actually becoming engineers as well, because of how that's mixing in with the science and with and with medicine. Yep. Um, so I think that our kids need more of that. Um, our kids are continuing to to read and so that can, needs to can, needs to be the push as well um, in doing math but I think that we need to go beyond that because 
the world is going beyond it and we need to prepare our kids for it. I want to ask you this question. I had this debate all the time with people and there's no right or wrong answer, I guess, but do we need long division anymore? Do we need um, to learn some of the things that we were brought up on school learning? Do we need to know how to find a percent of something? Well, how do you feel about stuff like that? So I was just doing percentages yep. for teachers SLOs. And so I'm still using that. <laughs> well, okay, um, so let me, let me put it this way. How are you figuring that out? Are you figuring that out in your brain um, using algorithms? I'm figuring that out using a calculator. There are some basics that I can do off the top of my head. Right. Right? right. But we're using it. We're do, the majority of the time we, we use a calculator. Okay. At least I should speak for myself. I use a calculator. And that's what a tool is there for. I just, sometimes yeah. I get into these arguments or these, these conversations about um, what it is we need to know. Like, do we need to know our multiplication facts or do we just need to know how to multiply? Mm -hmm. Right. So. So I think that the knowing is the key, right? But the difficult part and this is why it's so controversial is that if you're not taught these skills right then when you become an adult and you're ready to go off to college how are you going to make the decision about what you want to become because it all depends upon like do you know do you already have those foundational skills to then be able to transfer into college to then be able to transfer over into you into your uh, like work life your career well, I, guess, I guess my my argument to this is do our foundational skills need to change, right? Do the, the way we were taught things, the way we take time and learning things, does that need to change? Because this way is easier and faster and more productive than that way of doing things. And so when you say that we need to, um, today's students need to be prepared for those future jobs, those future careers, then I think our teaching needs to- Evolve. Now, right, our teaching needs to evolve. So I'll ask, I'll, I'll go to my next question with that. What do our- teachers need so I'll, if if our kids need creativity and innovation then our teachers need to go along that line as well right mm -hmm. like our teachers can't fall behind on that stuff um and you know if we're if we're talking about artificial intelligence like taking over then <laughs> our teacher <laughs> our teachers I believe truly that need they need professional development and training in these areas so that they can start to be able to teach our kids all about it and our curriculum needs to change. Mm -hmm. um, and, and their their practices need to evolve into something more futuristic. It just does. And, it, and it's going to look very different. And I think, and, and this is one of the positive things that has come out of the pandemic is that they've become much more knowledgeable technological wise, right? Like there's technology skills have now risen because of it. Yes. And so we have to continue as educational leaders to continue to push that envelope so that they can continue to grow in that direction. What do you think our teachers need emotionally? I think they need a lot of encouragement. I think that they need um, to they need to know that just the way that our kids need the support, right? They need to know that they can do it, that we believe in them. They need the time. 
they need the resources. Um, but emotionally, I think it's a lot of encouragement. It's a lot of praise. It's a lot of um, just ensuring that they're being cared for and taken care of. So my, my third point comes to you. What do you and your colleagues need and your peers need as principals, as administrators? Um, I need less managerial stuff, more um, time with my teachers. Mm -hmm. I need more time in the classroom with my teachers so that I can help build them up. I can help support them. I can co-teach with them. I can um, be more of a coach um, and a facilitator to support what I want to get out of them. Is there any way that I remember um, I had an episode of this podcast with uh, Kevin Geisler. He gave an interesting answer to this. Um, but is there any way that central office, the folks down here, including myself, can support our schools better? What do you need from us? I need, I, I just. <laughs> Listen, you can be honest. This is that type of, this is that type of venue where you can be open and honest. We're good. Yeah. Um, I just want to know that. So I, if I'm asking to be an instructional leader and I'm asking, I, I need, I need central office to understand that this shouldn't be a, there are particular things that principals should just not be tasked with okay. because they need the time to focus on the teachers and on the kids. Okay. And so make a list and take those things away. <laughs> you don't have to give me a list right now. No, I won't. <laughs> we can talk about um, those things. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to let you off the hook for that. Um, we, we're wrapping up to the, to the end of the interview. Um, and so we asked, you know, it's, it's pretty much a pretty tough role. I know being a principal, right? I, I was a principal for 10 years and with all the things that we have to do, it's hard to eat right. That was one of the things I remember remember about being a principal, you know, trying to eat breakfast, trying to eat lunch, trying to eat healthy, right? What's one of the things that when you look at that menu for the month or you're reading the menu off or morning announcements or whatever that you're like, oh, this is super cool. I'm going to eat lunch today because we're having this. My absolute favorite is when it's beef patty day. Jamaican beef patty. <laughs> Since I've been a kid, like it's gone from like beef patty Wednesdays to like beef patty Thursdays or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it might have changed like a day from here or uh -huh. there um, since I've been a kid. But I want to, I want a beef patty. So when beef patty day comes around, you're good. Now, do they still serve it with the cocoa bread, or they don't have the bread anymore? No, and it's wheat dough now. <laughs> <laughs> So I just I just interviewed Gerardo for um, Heredia for uh -huh. uh, for the podcast as well, and he he said Salisbury steak, but he also said coming in second with beef patty day, and um, he did he did bag on the the wheat. Yep, <laughs> that's, that's so funny. Okay. They've kept the Salisbury steak too. Yep. Yes. <laughs> um. So I know you're busy. Again, you're a new mom. Um, you're chasing around Catalina and um, you got a busy schedule, but you have to watch something and you have to read something as you unwind. Give us a book 
um, title that you think is a good read for people out there and then also give us something to watch. Um, <laughs> I liked uh, Queen of the South. Okay. From Netflix. Okay. You should watch Tyrone. It was really I, good. I, I'm not even gonna comment on that, but I'm, I'm gonna ask you why Queen of the South. Um, I enjoy watching. Well, this is like a Spanglish <laughs> um, Netflix series. Um, and so I do enjoy watching. Um, what you you're watching? The, the I like the, action. La Reina del Sur. Is that what it is? La, Re La Reina del Sur. La Reina del Sur. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was it, it was just really good. Just a lot of good action. Um, yeah. So I don't this, again, so there's two now, right? There's one that's the Hispanic kind of version, and then there's one that's on like FX or something like that. Yes. Am I correct or no? No, and it's on Netflix. Okay, it's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. A lot of action and stuff. There's nothing. I, I only bag on it like that because my wife is a big fan and she's always watching it as well. Oh, she's got great taste. Yep. Book. And, and the lead character, she is great. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a book. Um... So this is going to sound pretty cheesy, but I really enjoyed Nicholas Sparks books. Um, now, I have no idea who Nicholas Sparks is. What does he write? Just romance novels. <laughs> and it, there's movies that come out as well. So like The Notebook. Oh, God. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's all really, right. yeah. That's why it's really cheesy. But I I enjoy him and I enjoy, um, I enjoy his books and his movies. Um but I do a lot of, when it comes to reading, I do a lot of reading around race. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's that's where I spend a lot of my time. <laughs> well, we appreciate the title. We appreciate, um, we actually didn't give us a title. We, we appreciate the author. Yeah. Right? And, and some of the, the types of work that he uh, produces. We appreciate the Netflix show, Queen of the South. Um, we appreciate you for coming on and, you know, giving us a little bit of insight to what it is that you do at Parkville School and who you are as a person. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Tyrone. Until next time, you can catch us on 89.9 QFM in Hartford. We are also streaming on the WQTQFM website and available on your CastBox podcast platforms and on Harper Public School's website. Signing off. This has been Let's Talk Harper Public Schools, and I am Tyrone Richardson.